I flatlined. Hey, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> we're flatlining the introduction to this show, is what this we're doing. This show's dying. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, everybody. I'll make something hey, out of that. I'll make something out of that whole first minute and a half. Hey, everybody. What's up? How's it going, everybody? Hey, welcome to Loredom. Jesus. Why are we so bad what at this do we do? of the day? What is, what is this? What is this show? This John? here here on Lore Dump, what you have here, if you'll if you'll look at my charts, uh, is a podcast where we build a world before your very ears. See, this oh, part of the graph represents your ears, and uh-huh. this right in front of it is us building the world before them. I really like in this graph you've made how you drew a literal ear rather than writing ears out. Yes. Um this is very good. It's so it, it's multi-lingual. Uh, People can understand that that is indeed an ear without having Iconography. to uh, learn the language. Yes. Universal. I love it. Yeah. Okay. And you can see, yes, there is a direct correlation between our world building and the ears. On yeah, this graph. it's a one-to-one. Very... And on this next slide, what do we have on uh-huh. this slide, Josh, if you can make it out from there? Well, this slide, it shows how the other part of our show is it's a picture of a bunch of people and they're emailing and and tweeting and Instagram messaging us questions. Uh, really? And and I think oh yeah yeah here see there's this there's this little text icon you've got next to the infographic uh, that explains how if folks wanted to send us their questions they could send them to lordontquestions at gmail dot com or tweet slash Instagram message us them. At the Lord Dome. There's actually no and words. A, it's just abstract pictures and art that allow you to come to that conclusion on your own. It's actually just clip art. Mm-hmm. It's all it's clip It's all art. clip art. Yeah. So it's domain free. I can use it to post anywhere on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get sued. Okay. So yeah, then moving on, what we're going to do is we're going to ask some questions in the second half. Uh, but first, you know, back in the day, in the early early toddler stages of of this podcast where sean and i were tottering around in our swaddling and pulling glass things off of tables and bumping our heads like children are one to do i assume i don't know yes i don't know much about them Uh, i've just seen them at a distance but um these children this infant period we we talked about minotaurs we talked about how we did oh god we talked about minotaurs uh, roaming the continent where the dwarves have established their civilization, where the town of Pittsburgh uh, and of Broken Tree and all of that, where that continent is, Interesting. Uh, is also, before any of that got there, there were minotaurs. Um, and there's this sort of very early, early lore that is very poorly defined where minotaurs are are given free passage uh, to participate in sort of this nomadic culture that they've got going on in this continent. Nobody messes with them. They've also got a bit of a religious affiliation in our lore. Like there's some sort of uh, worship or spiritual component as a part of their culture. But that's really as far as we got. So what we're going to do today is flesh that sucker out. Get it out of here. Flesh it right the hell out. Flesh it real hard. Oh, man. We're gonna flesh it like a big old lordom. Ew! I don't like the way that sounds. 
has a really bad ear feel. This makes my brain hurt. Do I have to go okay. back to the chart? Yeah, get out the chart again. Explain to me what I did wrong here. You fucked the ear. You fucked this person's Whoa. ear as I circle the ear. Ah, that is what you're doing on the chart right now. This is really genuinely true. Okay, so so we've got these minotaurs on this continent. Sure. We've got this. They're pre-established. They're pre-dwarves, pre-settlement um, individuals. Okay. Um, we have some other cultures established on this continent. The humans we know kind of came around the time of the dwarves from, I think, the Azur Isles. Um, we have the gnomes. Sounds good. Of the jungles there, the gnomelings, the gnomes and halflings, mm-hmm. who were also kind of native to the continent. And then we've got these minotaurs. So how'd the minotaurs get here? They're 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 a construct of Greek. They're not a construct. Right? Not a construct, a manifestation yes. of Greek's yeah. existence. Sorry. Um I, I don't mean, mean construct from a technical perspective. I mean, like... That's what we have for most of the standing animal-ish races, so... Do we like that for Minotaurs? We can go off book. I don't hate it. Yeah. I mean, I, I always love Greek. Yeah, Greek's a Greek good... Greek is great. Greek's a good one. Um, Property of Sarah's Coffee. Well, that would imply that before Greek turned them into what they are now, there was something else special. Hmm. Yeah. Or it would imply that they became like this without Grieg's influence, period. That's true. Like, the, there is the architect who, const, you know, constructs these things. Like, they don't they don't have to be a awoke, basically an, awake, an advanced awakened animal, which is what Grieg creates with the Leonin and the lizard folk and the tabaxi and all those other. We could still do that. Interesting. I'm all for it. But we also don't have to do that. We're not... Let's, let's point it this way first. Which one of these gods are they important to? Because we said they they have importance to one of the deities, if not all of them. What is their importance? And then we can figure out from that how they were formed. Okay, here, I'm going to get a little off. This is where we're going to... Off the rails? Said, I'm going to get a little off the rails. Very good show. Very, very good. Sean DMs. Oh, brilliant. Um... I'm going to get a little off the rails. Yeah, totally intentional. Talk about your bulls. What if we said fuck traditional archangel imagery of like people with wings? What if our celestials of their truest form were minotaur? Like our bull angels are like a celestial form and they the minotaurs are an outcome in some way shape or form of that what if we just like dumped archons and or like changed archons aesthetic to be fucking cows with wings so instead of looking like people like humans they look like cows they look like minotaur i think that's cooler and better and yes yeah 100 percent. like this radiant minotaur with these beautiful angelic wings like that's what you see when you genuinely see a true celestial. You see a big cow with wings. Yeah, because like there's no Pegasus; the other... they're all cows with wings. Those are yeah. our Pegasi. Yeah, they ride around on them on cows with wings. No, Pegasus are cows with wings. Oh, yes. not horse with wings. Well, I'm saying like I'm saying that like the actual like celestials were actually I like the inverse of that. Minotaurs are the celestials, and they've always been humanoid like that, but. 
cows are like an outcome of that. Like the nature god was like, oh, look at these celestials. What if there were just animals like that? And they made cows like based off of celestials. And similarly, oh, like. And then Greg the made min- those like, things alive. Yeah. Well, or just the, you know, the celestials, there was some sort of incident. Um, they don't have to be like directly correlated. It doesn't have to be dominoes. It could just be the original celestials were minotaurs. Minotaur came before cow, like mm-hmm. minotaur humanoid with these large bull faces and horns. Like this was a unique creation. Yeah. And then there are the minotaurs that ended up on the planet that lost their celestial in some way, but also the fey God was like, um, was like, Oh, when I'm building my template, I don't like that these celestials have this sentience and cows is what happened because of that. They're like an, almost a mockery of true celestials. Interesting. So cows are just a big joke. To on, kind of, It's yeah. kind of like a joke on celestials. Yeah, they don't really like it's why they're acceptable to eat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because otherwise they would be like holy figures the if they were like, yeah. Hmm. Well, they're like, they're kind of like you know, the nature God takes them real, real serious. He's like, this is the true form. This is what they should be like without that overly done cognition. And the celestials are like, you're an asshole. Yeah. we. Can't, we can't. <laughs> I like how everyone in the world and in existence kind of hates the nature God just a little bit. He's kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. So all the celestials hate the nature God. The yeah. minotaurs were, so they're descendants of celestials. Are they our Asimar? Asimus? Yes, Asimus. <laughs> so, every time an Asimar is made, a celestial is split in half. One half of it becomes a minotaur, the other half falls into another creature and becomes an, an Asimar. Yes, please. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's, Isn't that that's good? good. We made two things. Now we made Asimars and Asimus. Yes, we've just defined all of our ASMR lore. Yes, yes, and we made a joke out of it, which I appreciate. You are you always <laughs> like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So there's also sort of like a lost half aspect to these minotaurs. Maybe that's why they're nomadic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're always they're searching almost... for their second half. Yes. That's so good. Mm, mm, That's so good. Mm, these cows are looking cool now. So what caused what caused the what causes this split? Can they only exist on the surface? D- well, here's a big question. Did these cis- celestials exist? How early on did they manifest? How early on did the gods create them? Or are they like our demons and devils where there's already a plane outside of Taurig and they've just kind of found their way here? I don't know exactly how that split would happen. Mm -hmm. It depends on how Asimar, or not Asimar, how Celestials fall. Or... I think that's my question, though, is is that's what I'm asking, is what what gets celestials like how do celestials exist and then we can answer the question of the split if we need to there could be a million reasons why the celestial split how did the celestials come to be um because we've got again we've got the devils and the demons right which in turn created the tieflings and we have all of that interaction and that's a plane outside of tar tar tarig that's 
kind of seen it and begun imposing yeah so is the celestial plane its own thing that has come into influence of its own accord or all there are the celestials a construct of the existing deities of targ the folks from the other side uh, that's a good question because they're you said they're not right because when we originally talked about this you didn't like the idea of the celestial plane or mount celestia or any of that stuff. I, and it's also very canon that this entity is the only thing that exists on the other side. So there wouldn't be a yeah. bunch of cow people hanging around. No, sure as hell not. So um, there's a third and, option. What's that? And that is they're from their own plane. That's yeah, that's what I was kind of articulating. Yeah. Is, yeah. Like that there is a third it's not even like true. It's referred to as the celestial plane because that's easy, maybe. It's the plane because it's all radiant. It's where the grays. Yeah. Sorry. The great plains. You graze me up. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god. So there is this like there is this celestial aligned plane similar to the nine hells and the abyss. Yes, but it's not like straight canon from Faerun like the nine hells are. Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah. It's our our version of our we're gonna have to define that further another episode we've just made it okay put it on the docket i'll <laughs> <laughs> write it i'll throw it up there but we have these celestial minotaur that exist there and through various machinations when they come to tuareg they are split yeah and that creates a basically a radiant soul being dropped into like a pregnant person which then births an asimar uh, or and a minotaur mm-hmm. those are two so you could do some really cool lore with like if a minotaur did find their other half like you could have two player characters that were a shared celestial soul yes an asmr and a minotaur which would be so neat yeah i think it, whenever they it's not necessarily that they fall it's just whenever their physical form is separated from that divine spark that they have it has to that otherwise off. they like they can't exist on Tarek without splitting themselves yes which kind of aligns with the deities splitting themselves as well yeah actually that makes it's a lot we- of sense. there's a weird like like uh i don't know it's just it's a theme it's a motif interesting of the divines perhaps minimizing again their presence or whatever who knows we don't have to define that. We can talk about that in the Celestial episode. Meh. But we have our reason for Minotaurs. Minotaurs have been around for a long, long time because the Celestials have been splitting themselves off and dropping them onto Tuareg for a long, long time. Yes. For whatever reason, we haven't yet decided. Yes. But an Asimar and a Minotaur created when a Celestial splits. Now, did they do it because they saw the devils and the demons showing an interest in this is that the initial impetus for it and then there's been a billion reasons after that i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure that our canonical um lore is that anytime something splits both halves forget about the original that's true for sure so it's the once they hit hit the planet they're like i don't know what the fuck's happening i'm a baby yeah and the minotaurs have since then been breeding and developing their own culture yes yeah but that still has that sort of defined leaning towards it. Yeah. Like it remains, they're very spiritual and their existence comes from that. And that remains like the memories of what they are. Yes. In that some part, way. At least is communicated yeah. to them. 
Because the gods can stay there and be like, hey, you guys are like holy beings and your other half is somewhere else. Yeah. If you want to go find that and come back to us, you can. But And so they roam and they were initially on this one continent mm -hmm. and they didn't really have the context of everything else. Yeah. So they roamed this continent. But now you almost see a, um, you almost see, it's almost like a, it's a weird variant on a missionary. Like now that the world has opened up to them, you see minotaurs traveling out to the elven continent, to the tiefling realms, mm -hmm. like to the Azur Isles to look for their counterparts. Cause the ASMR could land anywhere in any soul yeah. on Tarek. I don't... And now that they know this, they travel all across the world, but they started there. I almost feel like the, the ASMR that, you know how like ASMR have those dreams where they talk to a celestial. Yeah. What if that's just the soul inside that? Like there's technically two souls inside every soul or every ASMR where it's the person and then this other thing that fell and got like stuck in its body. The true form, like the, the true physical, like a, the literal soul of an, a celestial is stuck in yeah. this body with this human soul and they just sort of mix around. Oh, interesting. So you're saying, because I was thinking like traditionally, like if an ASMR is born, it's because a, it's, it's almost like Jesus, like the Holy Spirit bops a baby into you and then you well, pop out a holy A celestial. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. But you're thinking like, the soul hits this person and changes them into two entities, or is it still? It's still like the baby. How does thing. that look? To you? Like it's still a baby. they get put inside the baby, but like as they but grow the... up, the thing that they talk to isn't something above; it's something within. Got it. Got it. It's almost like a fusing of the energy coming from Tuareg that would be fueling the baby, mm -hmm. right, and the celestial energy Kinda into like one things. entity. Yeah, that's yeah. It really is the exact same way. Yeah. I actually really like that. The tieflings and ASMR are direct polar opposite opposites of each other, mm -hmm. or not in like a good and evil way, just in a like the direction things come from. Yeah, it works the exact same way for them. Yeah, because it, all of that works. The, the The metaphysics of it works for the whole world the same way. I like. It doesn't that. matter what plane you're from. You have to tether yourself to energy from the planet in order to exist. Yes. That's beautiful. That's cool. That's good stuff. Okay. So that's what the ASMR are. And then the Minotaur are the physical form. Mm -hmm. Originally, the Minotaur stem from the original Celestial's physical form being brought down onto the planet and then procreation. Yes. Um, that's cool. That's yeah. Neat. I like the fact that like outsiders wouldn't exactly know whether or not they were created by this, like the same thing that made tabaxis and uh other animal creatures like that or if there's something else but they know yeah. they know themselves it's 100 100 yeah and there's definitely opportunity for us to homebrew up a minotaur that has the similar um like it's basically a minotaur variant of an asmr where you can do like the protector minotaur and so on and so forth so you could have a minotaur that once they've tapped into that Honestly, yeah. I also see some sort of like stuff. strange minotaurs that the minotaur gets someone else's ASMR spirit. Oh, double. Yeah. Well, no, like the, the minotaur, minotaur is like being born and another celestial split and they get someone else's um, yeah. ASMR spirit. 
Yeah, and it's like very potent and makes them extra tuned in a weird way to yeah. the celestial plane. But then they also got someone else coming out there. It's like, hey, this is awkward. You kind of got my guy in you, so I'm gonna need him back. Um. Well, is it a matter of taking it back, or are they just driven to identify and find each other? What's the next step after that, though? Why would they be driven to find each other if not to reunite? I mean, reunite, not physically, but to, like, reunite, have those soul, having those two split souls in proximity with each other soothes that longing to roam. Right, but then... It's like a predestined connection. Right, but then that person who the soul fell into has to just exist next to this minotaur for eternity or until it dies otherwise he's well, it goes unhappy. both ways maybe yeah i don't know something to think about maybe I, I mean the other option is what that you yoink the soul at half the soul out of a person it wouldn't kill the asimar it would just revert them to whatever race they would normally be because there's two like the way i'm thinking of it is there's two souls inside that asimar yeah the minotaur is only interested in one of them yeah see i'm seeing it like i see the asmr more as a fusion because otherwise you're dealing with some as a player race the player is is getting some very like strict limitations put on them like they'd have to it's it could be really good but at the same time i don't know what do you mean from a player yeah i guess i mean well like if you play an asmr and like you like buy i guess if you buy into it then it's good but i would be hesitant to play an asmr because i'd be like well i'm only like part me uh you know what i mean like there's this like element of like part of me well that aligns with warlocks as well though sorry i'm processing through this <laughs> that's fine i just yeah we could do it that way i like it okay i'll leave it up to the dms the players whatever they want to do yeah well so the minotaurs seek out the soul and then they take the soul back if they can if both parties are willing it's not like a, they have to kill the person and suck the soul juice out of them yeah so there'd be like a soul transfer process some sort, sort of, of thing. ritual D's full of rituals sure. ceremonies shit like that sure so maybe they this thing that the myth maybe Ooh, maybe there's uh, a soul so the <laughs> So these minotaurs, like, seek each other out, um, and, like, that, I mean, they may not ever find them, right? Yeah, this, like, it, there's no, like, it's more likely no that way. you're never going to find the other half and then die. Right. right, and then your life ends. Yeah. Is, I like the idea of, like, having a name for this searching, though, like, the seeking or something, the minotaur call it. Yeah, it's fine. I like that seeking but they all do it collectively like as a tribe is that right is that is the so it's well, like there a are nomadic they, people yeah so they group together and then roam hoping that members of their tribe will be able in that roaming to def like find their other half their mm. other half of their soul maybe maybe there's like a larger herd area where they all return to but they go off in like small groups Sort of like missionaries, gotcha. like, like you, you said. Can, yeah, you can have like soul seekers. Yeah. Jesus. Maybe, Individual well, maybe seekers they have soul and seekers, groups of seekers that go out to like identify if someone is an Asimar. Yeah. And invite them back and be like, hey, we might have people who want to talk to you. Yeah. It's like two parts. Like the tribe roams 
but then they have like more dedicated soul seekers who also like yeah roam a little further and independently and faster because moving a tribe takes time yeah but then they find this person they bring them back and they have this like big ritual to like pull the soul back yes interesting love it yeah i think that's cool that's cool okay are there any other like aspects of this i really like the like There's this, like, merging of the, like, kind of Western Christian imagery that is default applied to Celestials. Christian and, like, Greco-Roman imagery Mm -hmm. that's applied to the Celestials. But I really like marrying that with the more, like, nomadic aesthetic of the Minotaur. And doing this, like, radiant, nomad, elevated sort of thing that's really cool yeah I like that and i also there's also fully room for um these minotaurs to like not give a shit about their other half yeah like if they turn whatever age and they're like hey by the way you have a second soul out there it's like okay sure whatever and they cool. can go about their business and do whatever they want you know mm. it's not like they're yeah, driven like a... into madness if they don't have this other soul nearby right it's more just of a like this is the sort of origins of this race thing. And yeah, like it's, it tends to be subtle. Like some might feel it's song stronger and they become a soul seeker or they but become like, like a paladin or a cleric or something to get more in touch with their gods. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like most of them are like the roaming contents them enough. Yeah. Like it's, there is, there maybe is like a natural inherent want and urge to be nomadic, to be on the move just to be looking Mm -hmm. but beyond that it's fine yeah there is nothing like that explains their society without making it binding for the players that's good yeah that's that was my concern but that's 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 a good way to look i I don't think there's ever anything that is necessary like a hundred percent you have to do this for the players because that doesn't make sense that's stupid if it's like well we go go find my soul guy now yeah it's it's like warlocks are very very cool and like they've really opened up but sometimes people can feel very limited by the constraints they're put on it because Only of the amount of spell that comes. oh yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> but like you know what i mean yeah, right? like yeah, you yeah. can feel restricted like i've heard that before. like i have a boss that i have to talk to when i do my D stuff i don't like doing that yeah and so if everyone who wanted to play a minotaur was like oh i have to be searching for my other half every time some people might not like that it's just the people that do tend to want to search tend to go more towards the uh divine route of things like a zealot barbarian or Mm. paladins or stuff like that yeah absolutely yeah that's really good just an out it's a bit of an out Mm -hmm. which i think is one thing that we've do a lot when we're doing this homebrewing stuff and maybe we've never called attention to it but we you want to create the structure so that people feel like there's flavor without pinning somebody into it and that's like that's very important well okay now hear me out Mm, because a lot of this we were talking about this and it's not necessary that people go and find their other half but what would happen? What would it look like in game if they were able to do that ritual and retrieve their other half? I don't know. Does the Minotaur inherit the ASMR traits? 
Ooh, that'd be cool. Is that where you get Protector Minotaur and Fallen Minotaur and blah, blah? That'd be interesting to see like a, uh, that sort of breed into other races. Yeah. I do like their divinity is what creates ASMRs. And if they retrieve it, that divinity returns to them and forms them into a Minotaur ASMR. <laughs> yeah, actually, I do think that sounds pretty cool, especially at a higher level. Like if that's this is your the end of your story that you have set for yourself, getting the abilities that a ASMR has as well as the Minotaur. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty. Useful. It's almost like a a prestige class or it's a prestige race. Yeah, it's a prestige race. Yeah. That's pretty fun. That's neat. We'd have to mechanically like work that out, but we can do that in an episode too. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> and also the DM can come up with something else if it's Yeah, the DM lesser can more just than throw it all. Yeah. But I, I like that. If we were to DM, I like the idea of us having that as like a a lore hook thing. Yeah. For sure. Oh, that's so good. That's so interesting. And then when you I really like, die, you become a celestial again. Yeah. I also really like the implications of, because celestials are minotaurs, when a celestial outside of the whole minotaur ASMR lore on the planet, let's say like a cleric, a divine cleric who has picked a celestial deity, reaches out and some for some reason a celestial manifests to them, it's a minotaur with wings. Yeah. Oh, fully. Like... The majority of your archons are like these minotaurs with these. That's so good. Yeah. And there's also sort of a finality to this thing because, I mean, statistically, both of these halves, the Asimar and the Minotaur, are going to die eventually. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's a special sort of a different cycle of energy and life for Minotaurs and the Asimar soul. Mm hmm. That they, like when the ASMR dies, and or when the Minotaur dies, because they're probably going to die first, statistically. Uh, they hold on to that part until the soul dies, and then they put them both back together. And they become full again. Back on the celestial plane, yes. which is interesting. Because the tieflings, while we have this correlation, this is where the two diverge from each other. Mm-hmm. The tieflings, that energy is is not... It's not a celestial soul merged into a a or the tieflings is a warped version of Tuareg's own energy. Mm-hmm. It's not an evil soul jammed in there. So this is how it diverges. That's where it becomes different. Yes. It's like once those two souls part, they go and whatever one dies first goes to the parking lot and waits for the other part to be remerged and brought back to the celestial plane. Yes. So Minotaurs and Asimar uh die differently. They die differently, but they correlate with each other mm-hmm. and going to that, that plane is sort of like their Valhalla. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Use of course Valhalla you do. You're playing too. Assassin's Creed right now. <laughs> it's a good game. It's historically accurate. <laughs> Go to your shape corner. Quiet you. How dare you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Minotaurs are very cool. Celestials are very cool. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to define with this? This there's nothing else we ever need to define. That's true. We've given enough of. Is there anything we want to define? Um, hmm, hmm. I don't know. I still I don't think we've 
mentioned how as or how um the split happens is it when they die mm. is this their celestial cycle of rebirth so the celestials die on the celestial plane if they die on the and celestial plane they does... a physical form and a spiritual form is rebirthed on this tarig plane maybe i love that that's really cool yeah and then they so does hear me out here then somehow the celestial plane got attached to Tareg. And so that's how these like celestials like cycle through. Yes. Like, so the celestial plane is being towed along behind Tareg in an alternate dimension. Somehow they got affixed to each other. Is that an outcome of the chicken pushing itself through to the other side? Could be. Something like it that. It could be something that... vague too. It could be something else. Yeah. That you at home Who decide. Yes. But for some reason, the celestial plane's cycle of death and reincarnation is tied to Tarek. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They're both intertwined. So when a celestial together. is killed, wherever they are on whatever plane, they manifest as this split soul on Tarek. Mm-hmm. And then when they die on Tarek, they remerge and reincarnate on the celestial plane yes got it because somehow they're tethered to each other i love that this is correct i like the imagery of our so i'm starting to like manifest you know how you like see those diagrams of like the planet and then the different planes all around it yeah Tarek is this ball hurtling through space with a few moons in tow five five moons five moons in tow there is the like the abyssal plane is just kind of this encompassing thing that exists out there but the celestial plane there's this like line of radiant energy like being hurtled through space behind it <laughs> like again and it's a and then there's this just grand blankness that is the other side surrounding everything else <laughs> yeah pretty like much our our planar design is really neat i think <laughs> it's cool it would be everything off the picture for the other plane the other side yeah, the other side is everything off the picture. Yeah, yeah. Because then you've got you've got like these. It's funny too because you've got like, you've got nine hells the abyss. You've got the Feywild, the Shadowfell, mm-hmm. right? Like circled around Tarig. Yeah. Just like poking in, and then the celestial plane is like stuck to it by a <laughs> strand of glowing light. Oh man, that's good. That's cool. All right, I think we're on to questions. Oh, we got one <gasps> of those. We have in our emails we have quite Instagram? a few. Yeah, people emailed and tweeted at us. Nice. I don't think we've ever gotten anything on Instagram, but hey, if you want to be the first, hey, do it. Instagram us. Yeah, Please. Gram at We're us. so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this question is a longtime listener, longtime question submitter. They always send it over to our email, lorddumpquestions at gmail.com. Oh, uh, yes, the best place. And that is just a singing gig. <gasps> They're awesome. Again? You know. More questions? Yes. More questions. I know. I thought we answered not everything last order. time. Every single We're question so they clear. could possibly have. They say, and there's there's a long story that was very good with this, but the question comes down to when homebrewing a campaign and intrigue and plot points for your homebrew world, how do you go about accounting for anything crazy your players might do? 
if they go compl a completely different route that won't lead them to the political conspiracy you've set up in the capital? Do you keep dropping hints they should go there, give them a good reason to go there, determine what they aren't going there yet, and beef up the bad guy who's there, save him for later, uh, or come up with something else in the meantime? You, this question's interesting because it answers itself a little bit. Uh, yes and no, at least from my yeah. perspective. Tell us your perspective, Sean. Is there more to the question? That's it. Oh. Um, if my players don't interact with like a, something I was setting up and directing them towards, and there's like political intrigue and stuff, that still happens. That doesn't stop because they didn't see it. It's still going in the background and things are still progressing. Like, I, th I think that that is more entertaining if it's like you guys heard about this thing didn't investigate it and now it's going to bite you in the ass because it's been progressing for three weeks i think that's better than like uh like it being a cutscene that they have to interact with for it to start ticking away 100 percent agree with sean on that yeah i mean you've watched me do it in conundrum company yeah no, I know. where the world just has things to do yeah <laughs> stuff like, oh, that's what they were talking about we really should have looked at that more and now they have to deal with the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It's all our fault. You know. Well. We're such disgusting exactly. scum. Josh hates us. Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, it's if you choose to go one direction, that's a valid choice. The mm -hmm. world continues to operate. And so then you have to deal with the outcomes of the things that work around you. If you so see fit. Yeah. The players could literally dump the entire plot. And Fully. never come back to it. Um if they really, really want to, you mm. might be not meshing at that point and need to consider, you know, hey, what are you guys looking for? Let's re let's reassess what yeah. this campaign is. I will say, like, you also, if you want to postpone it, like, if it's something that you really think is important, um, there are reasons things don't happen. Okay, so you were intending for your big bad guy to implement his grand plan at the Capitol two days from now but then and you're like okay the party's gonna get there two days from now but then the party goes off the rails <laughs> fridays <laughs> 6 <laughs> 7 p.m eastern oh, um so uh but it, the party goes off the rails and goes and does something for two weeks fridays at seven, hmm? fridays at seven. Fridays at seven yeah Sorry. uh <laughs> but uh so they go off the rails right they go do oh, something for two weeks your <sighs> i'm so bad it throws me off every time you do it um your BBEG may begin to implement their plan and they run into a complication. Somebody else gets in the way. Something gets in the way that slows the BBEG down so that their timeline aligns with the player's timeline. You have that in your discretion, in your toolkit to use. It can't be hackneyed. Like, don't force it. Um, and, like, these things don't have to work out, like, perfectly. But the BBEG, you know, maybe he tried to implement his plan and then like one of the town guards started to catch on and was like watching the BBEG yeah. or like keeping an eye out for him. So the BBEG had to like change his plans, kill the town guard and get rid of him. And so the party shows up and this like guard captain's been killed for some reason. Right. Uh, but that was why the BBEG acted in that way. And it slowed him down so that the big event that's really tied to your main lore point occurs at the same time. Yeah, or even the, 
not just a town guard, but if you really want them to get like pulled into it, have it be an NPC they trust. Just be like, oh, hey, I've stumbled into this. Go investigate it for me. <laughs> yeah. That usually works the best. <laughs> yeah. If they love somebody, that person is a good person to convey information through. Yeah. Because they like will prioritize that. You know, your, your Gilmores and stuff like that. Your Alora's. Yeah. Your, uh... Because I'll be like, oh shit, this is important. Yeah. So. That stuff will go really good. Yeah, the world just... The world functions at your pace. That's the... I think that's the real question here. And you get to define what that pace is. Yeah. It's... It's never... A lot of the time the party will get stressed out. I've heard this before where they're like, oh, you know, there's too many things going on like we have to pick one and it's just like well yeah just pick one and do it and the story will progress from there good and bad like Mm -hmm. inevitably likely the heroes will overcome the adversity that you set before them but that doesn't mean there can be it can't be road bumps uh and if that's them not being there for a crucial plot point and then dealing with the outcomes so be it if that's you stalling the crucial plot point so they hit it or it manifests later on so be it yeah. It's not a big deal. Honestly. The other thing I will do is I'm a milestone leveler. Uh, and a lot of the time it is core plot points that level people. Shit. And so when they miss plot points, there's a longer window without level. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> you son of a bitch. You know that's not my fault. I know. I love you, buddy. It's not it's not a that's not a punishment. No, I know. It's and it's it's just a like it's a way to say like, okay, you've just hit a crucial milestone. And yeah. it also slows the game down. Because then game doesn't really end until you're like level twenty most of the time anyway. Things just continue to happen, you continue to write your story. So you got a plot point and it needs to happen before other things can happen. They go do their screwing around at level five for two months of gameplay and then they come back and then they get to level nine and then the story continues to progress right like there's so many different ways to manage the progression of the party and the progression of time and i will say the plot should work in a way where if they miss the first two or three times to jump in on that thread it shouldn't be done by the third stop right it should be like part one part two part three part four part five Okay, by part five, if they don't even know about it, then something horrible is going to happen. So yeah, that's what I yeah. Would say. At that point, you you yeah, it's real bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then all of a sudden, the world like is dropped onto their laps. Yeah, and at that point, you should have someone else in the world have been compiling all this information that they can then throw at your party's feet and be like, "This is everything you missed." So this has been under your feet for a very long time. <laughs> 100 percent yeah 100 percent. oh that's so good yeah and as for when things get out of control that's the fun parts that's what you do you let them do that yeah also who has the information where the information is available you can change that whenever the hell you want Mm -hmm. like you can move those things laterally Uh, one thing that dms do all the time is their BBEG shifts around from character to character until they find the one that the player hates the most. <laughs> and that's the person who's done it. Like, cause you, the players will develop their own opinions. And sometimes you put in a character you think they're going to love it and they despise them. And sometimes you they put in a character you think they're going to, and like vice versa, like a person they love could be the BBEG. Usually. Right? But just 
Yeah, usually is. But Are you can Mavinon? Yeah. <laughs> you can shift you can shift that around, right? Like it doesn't have to be completely set in stone. What's going to happen does. Like you you need to know your larger plot. That's important. But that plot can piece into different aspects. Yeah. Information can be found in multiple places. Yeah, it just needs to be fleshed out enough to where if something happens, it can be reacted to logically. Yes. Like, say the party does stumble upon a clue and one of them has, like, a Jimmy Neutron brain blast and they say, mm -hmm. oh, it's that fucking guy. And you're like, holy shit, how did you figure that out? You got it. Yeah. yeah. Then that guy being removed or however they deal with that can be reacted to by whatever's happening around it realistically. Mm -hmm. Things can be shifted yes. and adjusted. So that's not a 100%. crumbling castle. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's exactly it. Yeah. Oh man. Oh jeez. Any other thoughts there? On this? Yeah. Mm, I don't think so. It's a good question. It's a good it question. really it's it's the atypical balancing act of plan but not too much. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. So that's what a lot of our bo our advice boils down to a lot of the time is like have a grander idea and have things fleshed out where they need to be, See, but also be ready to adapt. My philosophy on stuff like this has always been it's not your job to come up with a solution. No. So if you're putting this all together and be like, okay, this is where they're going to get this information and this is how they can figure out this. That's not to you that's up to them to dig into that you should only come yeah. up with the problems and who knows about the problems you never should come up with the this is how they're going to figure it all out it's going to fall together perfectly 100 percent. because that it just needs work. to be accessible yeah yeah even with traps as simple as something yeah. with a trap it's just cause a problem don't put in a solution have them figure it out yeah and you know if they do it in a cool way lean into that so they feel successful but yeah. also like yeah yeah i mean that's I can think of a hundred examples in Conundrum Company right now where it's like, Maybe well, 20. what are you guys going to, oh, you're, hundreds of examples. <laughs> you know what I, mean. <laughs> I don't want to give away spoilers, but it's like, oh. it's, that's the way it works. Okay. Yeah. I'll plug my ears. You like, tell the listeners. Yeah. Uh, listeners, uh, Morton is actually a giant ancient black dragon. Yes. Uh, and he's been pulling all of the strings to, no, obviously not. That would be <gasps> cliche. No. Uh, Sorry, Sean. Are you done talking? Yeah, I'm done I'll talking. My yeah, I know you weren't listening to that Thank, big yeah, secret. Yeah, that, that wasn't me. <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, like, have the big things planned out, like the actual progression and the story. Yeah. And then as your party moves, sprinkle things. Exactly. For them to discover. And if they don't get it the first time, bah, they'll get it the third time or the fourth time. Yeah. And if you don't get it, then like Sean said, something explodes in the background. <laughs> and the only thing set in stone are the things they know. Yeah. Because those you can't change on them. That's just that's just bad etiquette to be like, oh, I told yeah, you that? Cool. No, it's actually this way. I lied. When I, I said this on a podcast the other day. Sometimes the party will come up with a better direction for the story to go than you initially had or like a slightly better hook. You can lean into that. You know what I mean? Like, don't tell them that you're doing that because then they spoil it for themselves. But like, you can you can adjust. Things change. Be adaptable. How dare you go on another podcast? 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a great podcast. It is a good though. podcast. Tell They're people very about talented. it. I, I listen yeah. to it. It's delightful. It's a Wonderful Life is just this like really wholesome, chill podcast about everything. And they did a D&D episode, and you should go check them out on Spotify and other places podcasts can be found. Uh, because their D&D episode is really good, really informative, all about like the history of D&D. Uh, and then there's just me being emotional for about 20 minutes, I think. But uh, that you can skip over. But the rest of it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Thank you, Just a Singing Geek, for that amazing question. As always, you're always the Fantastic best. Fantastic Q. Yes. Uh, and with that, Sean, if done? anyone wants to ask us questions like oh. Just a Singing Geek did, how would they do it? Hang on, my PowerPoint, me... my PowerPoint went to sleep again. Hold on, let me just... Yeah, wake it up. Okay, <laughs> that works. Um, so, as you can see right here by these charts, there's a 90% mm. chance... That you can find us on the internet at uh, lordupquestions at gmail.com as well as at the Lord Up on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, there is also this 10% down here where you could just scream uh -huh. at us on the street. I would suggest the 90% option because we're definitely going to see those. But this 10% is still viable. But Are you implying that there's a 10% chance for our audience to just walk on the street and scream our names and we will get that information? Wear your masks. Don't be animals. Uh, but yes, you could you could see us on the street sometime. It's possible. Well, I don't know where you live. 10% is a very There's a 10. Is it, I, listen, I did all the math. There's a 10% chance you could find us on the street. Okay. I 90 trust you. You're our science though, guy. That you're going to find us on the internet at those cool, three cool, places cool. I mentioned and won't mention again. Good, good, good. You're a science guy, Sean. He's I, wearing his lab coat right now. Yeah, he does all the math. keeping me warm in this cold, cold apartment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I guess we should probably close it out the way we always do. Um, take these broken wings and learn to fly. song sing it again take these broken wings your voice the voice of an angel the voice of a big studly minotaur angel. <laughs> 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 oh beautiful <laughs>